great. First thing we hear is just me snap. <laughs> ah, I'm what you put me on through. Got a semi I can't remember. Something one more time, yeah. Nothing. Okay, everyone talks about Shania Twain getting them like when they hear what. I really could kick, like, that whole thing, like, I could kick down a door when she says, let's go, girls. I could. And I promise Shania you. Shania Twain? Yes. Not Garth Brooks. <laughs> let's go, girls. <laughs> like, you gotta admit, that that hits it different. It doesn't do to me, I think, what it does to everyone else. Oh, then. it does to me lots of things. <laughs> Hello. You are listening to, or so they say, the podcast where two sisters travel small town America, one ghostly tale at a time. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Megan. I was trying very hard to not say something about my voice. You know, for someone who wanted a podcast, I dislike my voice a lot. Well, I was about to say it's my turn to be phlegmy. And I don't know why. I'm not phlegmy. It's weird because I use the same inflection every time and I feel like if I switch it up, it's really going to throw the game. And... I, it's almost like my voice is How like would you that and inf- change it i don't know but the thing is my voice is like oh that inflection that you've now set in stone you can't do it your voice is <laughs> not <cut> hello hello <laughs> <laughs> like see i could get that out but not hello oh jesus that oh, sounded great but let me just splice that in and put that at God. the beginning anyway hey happy thursday again hey it's another us. thursday Another week gone, and another danger- week older. Oh, stop. Dan- oh. <laughs> How about dangerously close to the first day, official day of fall? Oh, my gosh. Autumn. Yes. Yeah. Uh, y'all, the best. Y'all, it's fall. Something like that. Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's fall, fall y'all. y'all. There. <laughs> y'all, it's fall. <laughs> I know. Just uh, a interjection. Y'all. Like, so anyway, uh, the superior season, the best season of the four. Mm-hmm fight us i don't care don't fight me because i'm weak and i'm sensitive and i'll cry but whatever it's not long enough it's not long enough i feel like summer creeps too much into the beginning of it and then it's snowing before the end and i'm just like why why god and i will say we live in the midwest so we get a good bit of each season at least we have all four seasons to some extent but lately fall's been getting pooped on and i'm sick of it i'm so sick of it okay (laughs) so anyway happy almost fall y'all happy thursday next episode it will be yes Mm. (laughs) so it's been it does not feel like it's almost fall it hasn't felt like it's almost fall no except today was not bad it was pretty it felt okay (laughs) the first half of the day i even put on a little like jacket and then i stepped outside and was like no that sucks yeah i don't know what happened like it was a cool a nice cool even by like two or three o'clock i was like feels great Stepped outside, ha- had my jacket on, started driving. I was like, oh, that's a little, uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Not toasty, but like. Warm? No. The word has escaped me. Uh-oh. Dang, what is the word? Like, oh my gosh, why can I not think of a basic word? I don't know. Stuffy. Maybe stuffy? I was thinking of stuffy. <laughs> <laughs> it just, so that's the word that really bad. described it well for me. I just like the the breakdown of a Midwest summer which is or midwest seasons Uh and it's like false fall yeah and then hell's front porch (laughs) (laughs) you get fall for one week and then it's it's a letdown after that but that one week usually happens to be our birthday week so i'm not even mad about it it's like the world knows god or whoever you believe in knows that that week is covered bridge festival week also so it's always like here's the best fall weather you could ever ask for you're welcome it's coming (sighs) i Oh my gosh, I'm so ready. My body is ready. 
Okay. We're, we're, we're spiraling. Let's get back. <laughs> okay. So we left Terre Haute this week to go to Brazil, Indiana to, well, okay. So this is sort of a split thing. There's a little bit of Terre Haute, a little bit of Brazil. Mm-hmm. Obviously, since we started this podcast, a lot of people come out of the woodwork like, hey, have you checked out this place? Have you been to this haunted place? And that's where we find a lot of our locations. This is no different. Well, okay, so sort of. One is, we'll we'll get to it. Yeah. So we were introduced to this still-standing structure in Brazil, Indiana, and it is well-known because actually the mayor, mayor, oh gosh, I'm suddenly, I'm doing the history, the mayor, the governor of Brazil used to live there, Craig. So it's the Craig House Mm -hmm. in Brazil, Indiana. Lots of stuff happened in that house. We'll all get to that. But we also cover the Preston House yes. in Terre Haute, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And again, prominent people, prominent events. If you're from here, you've probably heard of at least the Preston House. Yeah, it's funny when people reach out. It's like everybody catches wind at the same time. We'll receive emails from people all at once. Like, have you, how, there was one location we haven't visited yet that I think we got like five messages in one day from all different people yes. not connected at all. They're like, have you checked this place out? Have you checked this? I was like, I didn't want to no. be mean. I was like, no, I haven't heard of that. Thank you. Right. Because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. to be like, you're the fifth person today to tell me, but thank you. I will say in my memories on Facebook, a year ago, either today or yesterday, mm-hmm. we were tagged in our first Waverly post. <laughs> said, okay. you should go to Waverly. <laughs> it started early. Yeah. Which, of course, of course we year. wanted to go to Waverly, but he was a governor. Silly me. That's I thought he was the governor. I okay. just, I panicked, okay? <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. So, was the Preston House also somehow government-related? No, just prominent people. Prominent people. Okay. Well, I feel like the drink that we chose this time more leans towards the government side, the governor side, if you will. But it's still just like... Uh, for some reason, we feel like it fit. Megan, what are we drinking? Today, we're going back to a wine. I feel like it's been a minute. I don't know why. Well, because we've been sort of all over the place, just kind of drinking whatever falls into our lap. So. That's true. That's true. So we are drinking The Federalist. And I'm trying to find who who the heck it comes from. It Is just it? says federalistwines.com. It's okay, the link. Well. So The Federalist, and we're drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon. Yay. I, I, I'm not not excited, sorry. <laughs> and it's got a picture of old Benny Frank, Franklin. Benny <laughs> Frank, shut, I hate you. It's a limited edition bottle. Ooh. Ooh. And the back of it says, as an American-made wine, we take pride in the craftsmanship of the Federalist offerings, especially this limited edition bottle of our Cabernet. Uncork a bottle to celebrate America the Bold. Enjoy the wines. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> Enjoy the wines, jammy fruit flavors with anything off the grill, barbecue, or just a fun evening with friends. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say America the Bold, the audacity of some of you. I swear, <laughs> none of you listening probably, but boldness and audacity, mm-hmm. I think they're kind of the same. Mm-hmm. So right. you actually have it prepped this time. We I don't did. have to deal with. You should be able to just pull it right out, yeah? Yep, should. Fingers crossed on that. What are you, are you I suddenly panting? I'm doing. I've forgotten how to open a <laughs> bottle of wine. I was like, "Huh, this is weird." Yeah, we haven't had like a pop, like a wait for it pop in a while, so no. I'm kind of excited. All right, you ready? Yes. 3 2 1 
Ooh, <gasps> wonderful. I know it's it it also knew that it's been a long time since we've actually popped a wine so it was equally excited you know and it's the end of summer and it says it was good with like stuff off the grill this would have been perfect but if I had a grill I do want a grill I have a teeny tiny grill I mean I I got my George Foreman don't get me wrong (laughs) it gets the job done this actually smells really good. Mm. Yeah, nice. Deep. I can almost hear the fireworks. <laughs> Shut up. I, I can hear the freedom ringing. I'm, yes, I'm sorry. I can't hear over the sound of my freedom. Yeah. Do you hear the freedom ringing? Yes. What? Mm. Nice fruity f- scent to it. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't smell bad. Mm. Okay. That is, that is wonderfully smooth. Wow. Goodness. Wow. America the Bold indeed. Yeah, no, it actually is really good. I'm not usually a fan of Cabernet. I don't know. I like this one. This isn't bad. We're enjoying it at room temp. As one should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I told you it was funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. I tried to like agree and could not. All right. Well, would recommend. So There's I'm not ju- much to it. It's a good wine. It's wine. Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, it's, a wine's a wine. Let's get into it. So... I'm going to try to cover what I can, since we're doing two kind of, we're splitting it. I'm going to go ahead and cover the Craig house and you're going to cover the Preston house. Yes. So let's both, let's both do our best, shall we? Let's. Okay. So first, this is only supposed, but this is information on who we assume built the Craig house. It's a very old home. And it is still in great condition for what it is. So the builder, we think, is George A. Knight. And let's talk about him. So George A. Knight and his father, Dr. A. W. Knight, were prominent citizens of Brazil and Knightsville. Which, I wonder if they like... Oh, I almost said... Dr. Knight founded the town of Knightsville in 1857. Ah, there we go. Yeah, we're very uh, arrogant (laughs) people. The following information is from the biography section of... W.M. I don't know what that's supposed to be short. William? Or I don't know what W.M. is supposed to be shortened for. William Michael. No, because it's Travis's History of Clay County, 1909. So here we go. George A. Knight. And you know what I find interesting is it says 1842, who knows, as if he hasn't died yet. Oh. And I, and you know, when I read this, it speaks about him as if he's not dead yet like in the oh what is that birth date oh uh 1840 but this (laughs) this was written in 1909 wait that makes sense oh i feel foolish because i was like why are they still talking about him like he's alive maybe it's because (laughs) it's 112 years old oh my Mm. okay well anyway we just had our 11-year high school reunion, by I, the way, since we didn't get to do our 10-year. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Did we go? No. no. Sorry, guys. Like, I felt a little obligated to go, but, like, I worked that day, and I was tired, so no. I didn't. <laughs> I don't really have an excuse. Sorry. I was tired. Anyway, George A. Knight, a native of Ohio, Mr. Knight, was born in Mount Sterling, Mus- Muskingum County. Wow. That's a fun one. Yeah. May 7th, 1840. His parents being Dr. Austin A.W. and, uh, wow, Aksha, Aksha Knight. I believe you. Yeah. 
The father, who was born in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, September 5th, 1807, and spent his last days in Brazil, Indiana, where he passed away December 21st, 1877, at the sweet age of 70 years. Why? (laughs) Starting in 1909. Right. His wife, who was born October 10th, 1803, passed away May 27th, 1887, so she lived another 10 years. In their family were five children, of whom three are now living as of 1909. (laughs) Elizabeth, (laughs) the wife of William H. Wingardner, George A. Knight, and Charles H. Knight. On the 13th of May, 1862, Mr. Knight was married to Miss Lucia E. Hersey, who was born... (laughs) I I saw it coming, and I I was like, don't say it, don't. (laughs) I saw you gearing up for something. Oh, I I took a deep breath for that. Hersey who was born at Carlisle, Sullivan County, Indiana, April 8th, 1843, and was a daughter of Edward S. and Eliza Hussey. Well, because they're all in capitals. Do you see this? Hussey. Yes. Like, Husey? I'm saying Hussey. Her father was a native of Baltimore, Maryland, and removing westward, removing westward at an early day cost cast in wow let's just start this whole sentence her father was a native of baltimore maryland and removing westward at an early day cast in his lot with the pioneer settlers of sullivan county indiana did that make any sense he cast in his lot okay i just there was like a weird pause yeah i read it with weird inflection disregard just start ringing ringing oh man we're both (laughs) start singing good morning baltimore oh i I love that song no not now not right now don't ask i'm trying guys I can't. I, I can't. I'm okay, karaoke- if I have to. If I have to. <laughs> I'm in a karaoke mood. Yeah. For a number of years, he was pri- proprietor of the National Hotel in Terre Haute, and in 1856 came to Brazil, being prominent in its business life and public interest for a long period. For 12 or 14 years, he served as postmaster of the city and gave a business-like administration in the discharge of the duties of the office. His family numbered seven children, of whom three are now living. They're not living anymore. No, Let's just assume they're not living. living. but okay. So back to Knight. I just liked this. Unto Mr. and Mrs. Knight were born five children. Oh, <laughs> yes. unto you. A child is fine. Exactly. <laughs> Grace, the wife of Wilbur E. Haup, Austin W. Knight, a practicing attorney of Brazil. Helen and the wife... Helen, who is the wife of Dr. David L. Kahn, now living in Indianapolis. They're probably dead. And Lucia, the wife of George G. Kerfoot, a resident of Brazil. And there's, they talk about the other children, blah, blah, blah. We want to focus on Lucia. I would just assume it's pronounced Lucia Kerfoot. Because she was, who was more directly tied to the home. So it's interesting that George Knight is believed to have built it because eventually his child, he has to have built it if his child had such ties to it. Mm -hmm. So Lucia lived to be... 70? Is that what it's saying here? Yeah, she was born in 1870, so she must have died in 1940. It, I don't know, born about 1870. Most of these, they're like, they were born about this time. Like, mm. I don't know. I feel like they would have known that by now. But she did not live. It doesn't look like she lived in the house, but she ran a couple things out of the house. Uh, let's see. Including, <laughs> they were so she had like a club that went through there, but lots of funerals and lots of weddings happen in there and this is where the idea of like lots of uh Mm. lots of spirit if you will in one form or fashion went through that house good and dead so which (laughs) a house for all seasons exactly don't start singing it i I know you want to 
I don't know. I don't know if anyone would pick up on that. If you've ever seen Grease two, you know what we're talking about. It's a banger. It's awful. Shell Pfeiffer goes ham on oh, that song oh yeah. for no reason. Oh yeah. So George Knight, the supposed builder, died in the house. He died in the house in 1912, and his funeral was there. And Lucia Kerfoot was the president of the Women's Literacy Club, which was headquartered there. And I've got a few news articles that I'm going to sift through here. One of them, if, apparently it's just kind of fun. They would talk about anything and everything in the in the news at this time because there's literally a, a part, an article in the paper that they just wrote. Lucia Kerfoot visited Greencastle on March 15th, 1891. She visited today. Anyway, the weather. They just talked about, like, these people visited this city today. So snoopy neighbors who were like... Where's she going? What's she doing? Yeah, Where are I, you off to? Right? It's creepy. Like, I, d- I don't like it. So, oh my gosh, I'm trying to pull up my notes and suddenly my my, my thing doesn't want to cooperate with me. I hate it here. So- <laughs> want some cheese with your wine? What? Are you, do- are you saying I'm whining? <laughs> or do you actually have cheese? I know. It's your house. Okay, I don't well, don't cheese. tease me with cheese, you dum-dum. Do you have cheese? I... Yeah, I do actually. There's like mozzarella, Look, Swiss, Gruyere. No, no, like blocks of Gruyere and Swiss. And yeah, I know. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. We're gonna take an intermission when you're done. I know we're gonna take. We're gonna pause on this. So what else do I have here? Oh, I don't know why I didn't wrote these down. So people died in the home. Funerals in the home. There was also marriages in the home. So Margaret Kerfoot, who I believe was the child of Lucia, was married in the home. And let's see. There was another funeral there. Edward Hussey. This whole family, like, everybody just, like, died and married in there. Like, mm. go somewhere else, y'all. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. So here's, like, this little article clipping that's Miss Margaret Kerfoot, the daughter of Mr. R.A. Kerfoot and Mr. Clifford Allemeyer will be married Tuesday evening, October 20th, at the bride's home on North Meridian Street. So the Kerfoots did live there. I guess Lucia didn't live there, but that's what, that's, I kept getting confused because I'm like, there's so many Kerfoots, Hussies, and Knights, like, Mm -hmm. and some of them lived there, some of them didn't, but somehow they were all tied to this home. Lucia ran the literary, the Ladies Literary Society out of there, and, like, what is the year on this one? I can't see the year, but... Like, she held this big to-do. It's an anniversary dinner, and it said there was, like, 80 people present in this home. And, let's see, four years, the anniversary. And do you see how hard these notes are to read? I'm reading the news articles. But, yeah, no, I know, it's terrible. But point is, she held, like, events of all sorts were held in there. So, weddings, funerals, this society thing that 80 people were in that home. Now, think about the home. You know, 80 wouldn't be bad. I don't know. Y'all would have to be split above. Yeah. You'd have to be split through the different levels. Because if 80 people were on that first level, no. Uh -uh. Absolutely not. Not in the same room, that's for sure. Right. So, the. That's kind of. I think the more prominent events. But I want to get to George Craig, who was the governor. He lived there. It's his house. (laughs) So. In 1984, so he was actually alive until pretty recently. And when I say recently, I mean in our lifetime. So maybe Mm. not recent. It depends on how you look at it. 
1984, Indiana Historical Society historian Jerry Hanfield declared George N. Craig was one of the most important Indiana governors of the 20th century. During the Craig administration, which was 1953 to 1957, Indiana instituted major reforms in several important areas, including mental health, conservation, and corrections. This is in the 50s, so yay. To a con- well, I say good. What if it was like electroshock therapy for everyone? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't jump the gun there, I guess. Right. To accomplish goals, Craig dissociated key positions from party uh, affiliations, launched an aggressive highway safety program, founded the Indiana Youth Center, and created a trailblazing police narcotics team. Okay, so no, it sounds like we like him. He's good. Under Craig's leadership, the Indiana State Police became a national model. Mm, Probably not anymore. You tried, though. (laughs) Indiana's first toll road was also instituted during his term. Governor Craig nurtured the Purdue University School of Veterinary Medicine, lured Ford Ford Motor Company to Indiana, and compelled the the Marion County Medical Society to allow medical school professors to engage in private practice, halting a migration of physicians from the state. President Eisenhower praised Craig in... in Wow? Intimating? Is that a word? Intimating? I don't know. It's definitely what it says. Intimating that he was a candidate candidate for a cabinet berth. What? You know, I'm not the English major here. So it looks like intimidating, but not. Intimating. Yeah. (laughs) Let's find out. You're looking it up. You're really looking it up. Yeah. Intimating. Intimate. Oh, that's intimate. So intimating. What does that mean? Uh, to imply or hint. Oh. Or to state or make known. Okay. Well, President Eisenhower stated that he thought he would be a good candidate for a cabinet berth. So, oh, okay. yay, whatever. You could have just said that. The governor opted to complete his term. Time magazine placed Bernard and Chloe... Uh, Craig's son on its March 7th, 1955 cover, describing him as a colorful, instinctive administrator. Lord, like, hello? Goodness. A 1927 graduate of Brazil High School, Craig was a college wrestler graduating from Indiana University's law program in 1932. He practiced in Brazil with his father until he joined the army a few weeks after Pearl Harbor. Decorated by France, Russia, and the U.S. for combat leadership, Lieutenant Colonel Craig became the first World War II veteran to be named the American Legion National Commander in 1949. This dude was out here, like, killing it. I don't know. It's odd that I feel like I didn't know a lot about him until I started reading on this. I'm like, he did. Again, weird, weird little tidbits for Brazil, Indiana, of all places. Right. Active in consolidating the National Association of Mental Health, Craig initiated Tied for Toys, a Legion program issuing more than 700 million toys to European children. Energetic resistance to the Hoover Commission's recommendation to abolish Veterans Administration hospitals made Craig a national idol. Returning to Indiana to practice law in the 1950s, he was elected the state's 39th chief executive two years later, promptly wresting GOP state control from law school classmate Senator William E. Jenner. Because Hoosier governors could only serve one term, Craig became a partner at Craig Summers and O'Hara in Washington, D.C. in 1957. In 67, however, he returned to Brazil with his wife, Clay County native Catherine Heiliger. <laughs> And two children, John and Marjorie. I don't know why I'm struggling so hard with these names. 
Until shortly before his death on December 17, 1992, at age 83, Craig was an eloquent leader of the trial bar, a devoted family man, and an avid outdoorsman. In 1978, the two dedicated dedicated George N. Craig Park on North Waterworks Road. I'm almost done stumbling through this, I swear. Son John, 61, a popular public speaker, is an Indianapolis attorney specializing in dispute resolution. Catherine, now 86, lives in San Diego with daughter Marjorie Farnsworth, 47, a public relations executive. So that's a little bit about Craig and how he was apparently a national idol from Brazil, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And he lived in this house. So with that kind of notoriety, you know people were in and out of that house. Mm-hmm. Events were held there, what have you. This random house on a random street in Brazil, Indiana, of all places, has seen, like I said, funerals, weddings, big to-dos, literary societies, one of the most, like, government body. Yeah, a government body. And so, you're probably wondering, where's the haunted history? If I had a nickel for every time we said that, there is no real haunted history, but the whole idea behind it is, like, think of all of the things that went through, especially the fact that George Knight died in the home. Mm-hmm. Like, people died in the home. Other funerals were held in the home. I believe there were four funerals altogether that were held in the home. I don't know about marriages, but clearly at least one. I'm sure several. Mm-hmm. Then just a couple other funny tidbits. Like, this is not relevant, but I thought it was funny. There's an ad in one of the papers for competent girl for general housework and cooking. No washings and ironings. Oh. Why here? <laughs> so they were looking for someone to do some dirty work talks about the the literary society anniversary thing that happened with the 80 people in the home oh they also were selling fine canaries out of the house so come buy your fine canaries (laughs) more literary club tea meetings things things Mm. of that nature so it there's a ton of history on this house it's very interesting to read but as far as the haunted part of it goes mm, funerals yeah. You know, <laughs> so people bringing their bad energy in there. But like this house, this house was, this house is over a hundred years old. I'm trying to think. That's the problem. Is what is it? George Knight was the supposed builder. I don't think I have an exact build year on it, but we know for a fact that house is over a hundred. That house has got to be like, I'm bad at math. Like 150 <laughs> years old. I don't know. Uh huh. But she's old. And she is still in great shape. And I think it's really cool that there's still a lot of original things intact in the home, including the spire. The spire. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's very nice. It is a very nice home. It's a very large home. It is a very large home. It's three stories with a basement. And the basement is one of those creepy mud basements. There's no Mm -hmm. actual floor, wall, ceiling. It's just like we dug a a hole. Yeah, it's a cave. And it's terrifying as mud basements tend to be so i think that oh yeah and and here's like an article talking about the funeral services for edward hussey he was 78 when he died by the way and all the information on that he was a soldier of the civil war good for him but that's pretty much what i've got there were there were other little things here and there but those are the big highlights of the craig home in brazil indiana i wish there was a true haunted history to it but we're just gonna go on i mean if someone dies in a home that's a pretty good start if you ask me yeah it's just people haven't talked about it 
because yep. it's always been it has always been residential like it's still lived in today it's a functioning home so it's not like this is this is not a regular investigating thing no no it's just because we have ties so yeah. because we're special yay for us so that's craig house that's what i got okay <laughs> do we want to save the investigation for the end yeah let's go ahead and save it for the end okay so now cheese break i'm kidding <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like it. <laughs> Dairy. <laughs> okay, ready? Oh, one more bite. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm like, <laughs> sorry about that. We, we jokingly did, mentioned fact. the cheese break, and you know what? Ha- it, we were just overcome, <laughs> and we did in fact ch- take a cheese break. So now, if you hear, this is now turned into. Uh, or so they say ASMR again, so right. have fun with this, but <laughs> we got some Swiss, we got some Gruyere, we keep it fancy in this house. I thought we had mozzarella, I guess we ate it all, <laughs> unless you want the block of feta that's in there, but like, don't, do not. No. I was going to say, I love feta, but I, I don't know if I could just eat, eat feta, because it's actually a compressed block. Because we're going to do, the remember pasta. when, I was going to say, remember when that was viral for like two seconds? We did make it though. Uh-huh. And I'll be honest, really freaking good. Look up the feta tomato pasta and the internet will know exactly what you're looking for. <laughs> it's literally just like grape tomatoes, a block of feta, some garlic, and then things. I don't know. You mash it all up and you put some noodles in it. I can't remember how it works, but point is it's good. I've seen the video and I've thought about making it because I do love me some feta. Oh No, it. I mean, would recommend. That's why I bought the block and I've got my grape tomatoes growing outside. So I'm already, I'm going to use the tomatoes to make a mushroom risotto tomorrow. So mm. I know I'm getting very fancy here. Wow. Anyway, so we're back from our cheese Burger break. King for dinner yesterday. <laughs> so. Oh, don't get... I said I'm making it tomorrow. I'm absolutely eating leftovers tonight. Don't worry. Okay. But anyway, we're back. Sorry about the cheese break. We may <clears> periodically <throat> take bites of this cheese. Sorry about the gross mouth noises you're about to hear. I'm going to try to keep it. I almost made <laughs> mocking ASMR noises, but I would, I would hit me, honestly. <laughs> right. Oh, something... Someone... Who was I talking to that I mentioned something about noises and they're like, oh, do you have, or they're like, you have misophonia, don't you? I was like, yep. And we started like talking about how we both hate sound so much. Mm-hmm. I was like, isn't it odd that I'm a music major and I do a podcast? I'm like, man, I sure hate noise. Oh, oh little kitten has made her debut again. I guess it wouldn't be a debut. <laughs> still doesn't have a name though, guys. Listen, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually post a poll. We need a name for this kitten. I'll post a picture in a poll. I said I would do that last time. Listen, guys, I started this new job. It's kicking my butt. It is kicking my butt, but <laughs> I enjoy it so far, I Dang would say. Good. <laughs> anyway, we gotta get it back on track. Ooh. Craig House is done. Preston House on the on the roster that's yep. not i tried to come up with something fancy you're gonna talk about the preston house up next is the up preston next. house all right so unlike the craig house the preston house sadly is no longer standing and it is 
a loss to the community. No, it's a, it's as unfortunate as the Terre Haute house. Yeah, the Preston I still house, remember when they tore that down. I'm so mad. Yeah, it was creepy seeing it being demolished and being able to see into the rooms like it's cut in half and... Yeah, we're not talking about the Terre Haute house, but if you feel the need to look into it, it was a big, beautiful building, mm -hmm. and they just let it go to ruins, and they're like, oh, it's going to cost too much to repair it, so let's just uh, let's put tear a it down. Hilton on top of it. Oh, it was there, wasn't it? Yep. They put a Hilton Which, hotel there. I'll have to talk to you about that later. Mm -hmm. All right. The Preston house was one of the most prestigious house in, houses in Terre Haute. It looked fantastic so what i've got here is actually a book called haunted Terre haute written by written by <laughs> written by see here comes the cheese <laughs> <laughs> is written by ashley hood and i i'm not sure if she's a Terre haute native or not i'll be a hundred percent with you i'll be a hundred with you too don't know <laughs> i'm gonna think so i mean why would you write a book about Terre haute if you're not yourself from Terre Haute. You know, I wouldn't pick a random town in Oklahoma and be like, you know what I want to do? Write about all the hauntings in Oklahoma. I mean, that's true. I'm holding the kitten now and she seems very content. Looks like she could just fall asleep. I love her. She falls asleep in the weird... Oh, Maddie did the thing where she wore her hoodie backwards and the hood was in front. She was out like a mm. light, man. She, her head was lulled back. I'm pretty sure her tongue... She, Precious yeah, baby. An angel. Of course I have pictures. Alright, back to haunted Terre Haute. <laughs> So she's got a, a little chapter in here about the Preston House. And it was formerly 1339 Poplar Street in Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. Now that's getting relatively close to the same area as Moggers and Terre Haute Brewing Company. It's within the same neighborhood, if you will, because I believe... Um, those two are on 9th Street or 8th Street. Yes. One yeah. of those. Right around that area. So a nice little uh, historical area. Historical area. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Couldn't say that. <laughs> I'll go ahead and read what she's got here. And they've actually got a very nice picture. And it 100% makes sense why it looks the way it looks. It honestly is slightly reminiscent of Waverly. I don't know why. Maybe it's just oh. the open front Well, thing. get ready for it. All right. <laughs> It says, on a busy section of Poplar Street, just east of where the road intersects with 13th Street and turns from mostly businesses to residential homes, one might be surprised to see an empty lot surrounded by tall chain-link fence. Yes. Which is what it is today. Okay. This was once the location of one of Terre Haute's oldest and finest homes, the Preston House, which is thought to hold many secrets. Ooh. Ooh. Construction on the Preston House began on September 22nd, Really close to the anniversary of the start of construction. Oh, that's true, yeah. In 1823. Man, w well, I mean, I guess Indiana was a thing by then. I can't remember when Indiana was established, but really not too long before that. I can't remember. I think it was the 1800s. Don't, yeah, y'all, I feel like I should know these things. I well, don't. construction wasn't finished until 1826, so it took almost three years to make this house, to build this that's house. That's wild. The home was built by Major George DeWeese for $20,000. In 1826? In 23 to 26. I already looked up the conversion on this. Did you? Mm-hmm. It is over $500,000 to build the house. That's not 
You know, I honestly thought it would be a lot more than that. I did too. I thought it'd be closer to a million, but it was over five. It was uh, somewhere over 500,000. I mean, that's still insane. I'm sitting here. It's like when I watch House Hunters, I'm like, for 575,000, you could do much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It goes on to say that DeWeese had moved with his wife, Matilda, and young son to Terre Haute from New Orleans in 1922. Ooh, Baton Rouge, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Oh, my gosh. But Garth it's Brooks. very reminiscent of it that is South, that very, yeah, Southern. It, I hate to call it. Oh, no, you can, because here we go. Okay. <clears throat> it was reported that he had made a fortune as a slave trader oh, while so living it in is the a, South. I you almost said. your sweet bottom of it. Yeah, is. it looks like a textbook plantation home, it which does. I hate. I cannot stand that they still describe Call homes to this day. They're like, it's plantation style. I'm like, do we really, you know, do we have to do that? But you don't want to erase history either. It happened. So... It's, I get it. I mean, using it as There's a, a difference between calling it a plantation style home and I guess calling yourself the Washington Redskins. But you know, <laughs> yeah. you pick your battles. But I saw that I was looking at it and I said, I don't know how to describe it. And then I saw it said he was a slave trader. I said, oh, yeah. And it, actually this sounds terrible because remember I said it's reminiscent of Waverly with its open front. It's got the big, like big Pillars. open fronts on the top floor and the bottom floor. I'm sure that's so they could step outside to make sure that, uh. Yeah, so you could look. It's raised. Okay, we'll get mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Major DeWeese modeled his new home in Terre Haute on the southern plantation style that would have been common in New Orleans at the time. The first floor of the home was half above and half below the ground, as you see here. That's oh, what, yeah. That's actually that is, the first floor. Okay, that, you know. That's not it, the foundation. That's weird. Does it step down into the I believe entrance? so. Yes. I didn't realize, because now that you pointed it out, it's definitely like half the height of the second floor yeah yes and that was the um the living space for the family that's actually where the bedrooms and things were the second floor was built six feet above ground level with three large rooms and a central hallway so that entire floor there is only three rooms and a hall okay because that would be for entertaining purposes and also that kind of blows my mind that that roof of the first floor is six feet up it looks a lot higher than that. That's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That was kind of my thought. And let's see. The outside of the house was adorned with a long staircase and a beautiful veranda, a common design decision for homes built in southern plantation style. So they could keep an eye on things. Pretty much, yeah. And it's raised above ground level so that they could see far out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that, but we know. We know. Dewey's design choice may have seemed like an odd architectural decision for a home in Terre Haute, <laughs> but many agree that the home was quite stunning. It is. It really is, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure now that happened this. in Terre Haute, but I get the vibe that maybe it didn't. We, we're very uh, Switzerland-y when it comes to that yeah, kind of stuff. we'd just rather not. <laughs> now, the listen to this because we know the area now for our listeners who aren't local this may not seem crazy but it was situated on 160 acres far from the center of town with two large dogs that regularly kept watch ensuring the deweys and his family would could live a life of solitude rarely troubled by visitors 160 acres that would be like they took up homies is homies a 13th it is it is certain that in college. I have no concept of space, especially now because we have the city blocks, we have the roads. It's hard to think about. Well, because if you think about my lot, my lot is maybe 2,000 square feet. 
Uh-huh. Like, I, I am a very visual person, and I can't wrap my mind around that. Mm. Well, we'll go on. We don't like Dewey's, I'll tell you that right now. Oh, good, okay. Many p- reports claim that Dewey's was an ill-tempered and angry man given to fits of rage. Mm-hmm. However, it seems he was respected enough to operate a general store on South 2nd Street and to later become president of the public library. He also held stock in the Terre Haute branch of the Second State Bank of Indiana. Okay, mm. good for him. Unfortunately, the happiness the Dewey's family experienced in their new hometown would be short-lived, eventually leading to the first dark tale to circulate about the Preston House. Yes. Sometime between 1827 and 1832, so that would be a year after the house was built to 1832. All right, didn't take long. The family would be dealt their first tragedy. Which child died? Reportedly, George and Matilda's youngest son was taken by a group of Native Americans and was later found scalped. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. when you're a slave owner who I was going to say, not to be a poop, but like karma, man. But that does, that's rough. That's intense. It's also right. kind of wild to think that that happened in Terre Haute, Indiana. You know what I mean? Yeah. Surely the death of their young son had to take a toll on George and Matilda's marriage, and it was soon reported that the couple began to argue frequently and were seen less and less about town. In 1932, what? That came... 1932? Uh, it's gotta be 18. That's gotta be a misprint. Yeah, she did it twice. I'm sorry, Ashley. I'll... <laughs> well, th- it's not her fault. It's Edder's fault. Come on That's now. true, too. So we're gonna assume 1832. She did not live to 100 plus Okay, in (laughs) in 1832, Matilda decided that she had had enough of her marriage to George and filed for divorce, which was not common for women during that time. No, I I would doubt it, but I wonder if maybe it was more common for women, more prominent families. I don't know. Like, the men would be the ones to end it if it were to end, but the women would not be bold enough to stand up and say, I feel like it was frowned upon regardless of... Which one did it, especially if you were, like, deep in religion and such. True. Which, being a slave owner, I'm sure he was a great Christian man. Now Aphrodite wants to get (laughs) into the mix. She just, I said something about slave owners. She's like, not on my watch, and jumped off her log. All right. Moving on. On March 15th, 1832, Mm -hmm. it says 19. I'm going to assume this is wrong. Matilda and George signed a decree stating that they would live apart. George later claimed that following the signing of the decree, Matilda had left Terre Haute to visit family. That's oh, did in she? It's not in quotes in the book. I'm putting it in air quotes. Mm-hmm. That would be the last time anyone ever saw Matilda Deweese. Oh, and there's no... Rumors <laughs> began to circulate that perhaps George, in a fit of rage over the divorce, had killed Matilda. But if so, what became of her body? It is said that in the upstairs area of the house, there were two rooms with identical fireplaces. On each side of the fireplace in the west room were matching cupboards, but in the east room, there was only one cupboard, and the opposite side of the fireplace had been covered in brick from floor to ceiling. Well, isn't that an odd design Hmm, choice? That's strange. Many came to believe that the location next to the fireplace was the final resting place of Matilda Deweese. I mean, it, that tracks for me. Yeah. On April 14th, 1832, about a month later, barely a month after Matilda's disappear, disappearance, disappearance, George put the property up for sale. Man, okay, come on now. That he is, did it. 
five years in that house. That's it. This dude's wild. Yep. No. Ugh, mm. I can't. He sucks. I hope he dies. I mean, I know he dies, but... He, he did. <laughs> the months came and went, but there was still no sign of Matilda. George remained on the property, his anger still very much evident. Oh, good. On election day, November 7th, 1832... George was arrested, not for the murder of Matilda, though, <clears throat> but for the attempted murder of Captain James Wasson. Jesus, this someone get him out of here. Mm-hmm. The two men, man, hitting so close to home. The two men had gotten in an argument over politics and Deweese shot Wasson in the back. You know, and this was mm-hmm. what, uh, 100, 190 years ago. Uh-huh. Y'all. Things we have not progressed much. Don't pass the boldness, the audacity of the of the United <laughs> States. Who yeah. go? Ooh, I gotta get back here. Where was I? Uh, Wasson recovered from his injuries, prompting a Park County jury to find Dewey's guilty of only assault and battery. Ugh. He was sentenced. Get this. He was sentenced to pay a mere. $50 fine and $61.91 in court fees. But Dewey's penchant for violence was now more obvious than ever. Dum dum dum. Which that would be what? Like $1,000 today? Oh, I didn't I didn't calculate that one. Sorry. Well, cuz I'm trying to well, literally what I'm trying to think of is the house was built for $20,000, which is 500,000. So take away 10, the zeros. Take away the zeros and then yeah, something like 1,000. Something like that. Lordy. Some say karma caught up to the ill-tempered major when he fell ill in the winter of 1932. 19, or 1832, sorry. It was just not his year. It was a rough year. Prompting his, karma, niece, man. <laughs> prompting his niece, Elizabeth Patterson, to travel from Philadelphia to Terre, to Terre Haute to care for him. George DeWeese would linger for another two years, finally passing away on November 29th, 1834. Two years. Mm -mm. My goodness. George made no mention of Matilda in his will. Instead, he left half the home and the grounds to his niece Elizabeth and the other half to his sister Ann Potts, who lived in Philadelphia. I mean... She'd been missing for two years at that point. I guess, but that also, unless there was knowledge of him rewriting the will, is that not fishy? Come on! Well, it's the 1830s. I, the record keeping was not as good as it is it's now. It's just dumb. It's dumb. Well, before Elizabeth and Anne could claim lay claim to the property, the authorities had to ensure that Matilda had no interest in her former home. Well, how, let me call her up and ask her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, a suit was brought forth on Matilda's behalf by William Early, an executor of the will, but Matilda did not appear on request. Surprise. I mean, are we surprised? Many wondered what happened to her. On October 29, 1935, William Early received a letter, supposedly from Matilda, releasing her claim to the home. That's so he had to have people on the outside. There's no way. There's no way because he's dead. So he obviously didn't do it. Right. Many found this strange considering no one had seen or heard from Matilda in almost four years. Right. A later story also circulated that Matilda had been seen in France, but no evidence was ever brought forth to prove that claim. Further evidence suggests that Matilda had actually gone back to New Orleans, where in 1836 her name was signed to a bill of sale for two slaves, and the document was formally recorded in 1837. So, Matilda's- I mean, well, now, here's a theory. What if she just 
pieced the heck out, changed her name, ran away. She's like, this dude is insane and probably will kill me. So she up and left without a trace because she didn't want to be found. She's like, I don't want this douchebag to find me and kill me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's e- it She's was like, I want no to connection to him at all. Keep the home, keep everything. I want a new life without any ties. I can only imagine it was much easier to disappear in the 1800s than it oh, would be in 2020. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's 2021, isn't yep. it? Ah. <laughs> I had to correct myself there. <laughs> anyway, Matilda would never be seen in Terre Haute again, leaving many to speculate as to what had actually become of her. The story of the Preston House does not end with the tale of the Dewey's family, though. Of course George's sister and niece retained ownership of the home until 1843. It is unclear as to who, if anyone, was actually living in the home during that time. Legend states that George outfitted his home with an additional architectural oddity. Tunnels beneath the foundation. <clears throat> oh, the tunnels of Terre Haute. Is that part of it? I don't know. I don't know if it goes. The ton- Let's find out. Because <laughs> ISU is not. If you what do you say, one hundred and sixty acres or something, one hundred and thirty acres. Yeah, depending on which direction. Right, but I mean, ISU is not super far away. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the story. Oh no, already read that. <laughs> it is uncertain what purpose the tunnels might have originally served, but following George's death, the tunnels found new use as a stop on the Underground Railroad. How hey, hey. ironic. It all, guys, it all circles back. It really does. Go back Car- to Old Mill Dam. Karma just out here doing doing her work, you know? <laughs> oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, your your little slave home uh, offered safe travels. Now, they didn't own well, slaves in safe-ish. this home, but it was modeled after the homes in New Orleans where they most definitely owned and sold slaves. Yeah, sucks to suck, my dude. <laughs> Many fleeing slaves reportedly passed safely through the tunnels of the Preston House until one fateful day when things did not go as planned. The tunnels were full of people awaiting the chance to move on to their next stop. As the story goes, the tunnel collapsed that day, trapping several people beneath the entrance to the home. What what year was this? Uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't give an actual year. Well, just because everyone talks about like when you're in older homes you're like oh no there's like a crack here there's this like oh the house is settled by now it's definitely not going anywhere was something tampered with to make the tunnel collapse potentially it says no attempt was made to save the victims of the collapse for fear that doing so would alert neighbors to the home's use of the underground railroad which is so terrible but Mm -hmm. i mean what else would you do they were probably going to die either way because as a result everyone in the tunnel died that's i don't want to think about it too much but like that would be such a hard decision because you're like say there's 50 people down there yeah 50 people die but we're still giving the chance for potentially hundreds more to live right like i don't that's the whole pull the lever uh scenario kill the few to save them anything well as you can imagine, that's quite a tragedy to happen on the ground. So in the years following the tunnel collapse, particularly the home's later years, rumors begin to circulate regarding strange activity in the home and on the grounds. Visitors have reportedly heard the ghostly sound of singing, described it as spirituals that were often mm-hmm. sung by slaves and as an expression of their desire to escape bondage. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yep. The Preston House was purchased by its namesake, Nathaniel Preston, for 
1843. Holy crap. Holy crap. insane. Preston worked as a cashier at the Terre Haute branch of the Second State Bank of Indiana. Oh, good for him. Oh, and again with the Second State Bank, which is what DeWeese had stock in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just stock. He wasn't like a president or anything like that. I don't think so. Um, He raised four children in the home, seemingly unfazed by the dark tales that haunted the home. The family maintained the residence for 130 years. 130 years from the the 60s, 1860s? 1840s. 1840s. So, I mean, still, that's the 1970s. Uh, For 130 years, yeah. Nathaniel Preston's granddaughter, Natalie Preston Smith, was the final resident of the Preston house. Natalie lived in the home for many years, but as she aged, she was unable to tend to such a large home. She moved to the Terre Haute house in her later years. Oh, man. Full circle. Mm-hmm. All, all the time. But took a taxi to the Preston house every day so she could feed and care for her cats. My girl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a woman after my own heart. Natalie passed away on May 31st, 1973 at the age of 94. Man. In Man. her will, she left her personal belongings and all items within the home to the Daughters of the American Revolution, and the home itself was given to Richard Van Allen, the manager of the Terre Haute House. Wow. Mm-hmm. Many hoped that the Daughters of the American Revolution would purchase the home, thereby maintaining the original furnishings and the history. Mm-hmm. However, the Preston House remained under the ownership of Van Allen and, and his wife. The couple made minor repairs to the home, but it remained vacant for six years, likely contributing to the home's decline. In November of 1979, a rash of fires occurred in vacant homes in the area of 13th and Poplar. Hooligans. (laughs) Hooligans. And it has stayed sketchy ever since. It is believed that the fires were started under suspicious circumstances. Mm-hmm. On November 14th, 1979, the Preston house became the next to fall victim to arson. That's so... How, that that's sucks. ridiculous. Though the fire did not destroy the home, vandals and several other fires took their toll. The Preston house remained standing until 1987 when it finally collapsed. Man, we almost made it. Mm-hmm. 161 years after its construction. It is said that the portion that collapsed was the room where Matilda's body was located. Hmm. Despite the dark tales surrounding the Preston house, workers clearing the site reportedly found no evidence of bones or tunnels. But after years of fires and collapse, would there be any evidence left to find? I wouldn't think so. That is all that Ashley had in her book. That's a good chunk, though. That was a good good piece of information. Mm -hmm. And I had some news articles, but... It really just talked about the the same information, the history of the house and when it was built and the will and things like that. Right. They're just older news articles. And it was about the time that Natalie died. I believe one I have here is from June 2nd, 1973 from the Terre Haute Tribune. Mm-hmm. And this is a continuation. Yeah. So it's the exact same article. Just keeps on keeping on yeah so kind of the same issue i had of lots of reiteration and stuff but interesting but doesn't really lend a hand to the haunted stuff so well the thing that sucks about the preston house is there is nothing to investigate it is very much just a an open lot now an empty lot because the poopy thing is no offense to the craig house like the preston house would have been a heck of a house to investigate and there is I mean, people died in the Craig house, but this is that's heavy stuff. I feel like an investigation there would have been crazy, but there's nothing right, to investigate. We have investigate. a missing person. We have potentially 50 plus 
I'm making up that number. I don't know how big the the tunnels were, or how many people passed through at a time, but who knows. But we still have the Craig House, which all these haunted, prominent houses in Indiana, which everybody has those, but. So I guess now we need to get to the investigation. That was a lot to cover on the two houses, but I think I personally thought it was very interesting. I'm biased, but. Yeah, I liked it. Now, we didn't get to investigate Preston House. It's also a really weird area now. Yeah, I wouldn't really even be comfortable investigating the grounds. It's There's been recent tragedy in that area. So like really recent. No thanks. So, yeah. Now, the, the Craig House we did get to investigate. Yes. Thanks to our connections. <clears throat> and we, we got full reign of the house. Um, we did, yes. We were able to check all three floors, including the, the basement. basement. Yay. And we brought all of our equipment that we normally do. We had voice recorders, um, EMFs, the cameras, mm-hmm. video cameras, ghost tube. Mm-hmm. We brought our Lace, light grid. The light grid, yep. All that stuff. Tried it all. Now, the only thing that we were asked to not bring, which we haven't used in a while, so maybe it goes without saying, is a Ouija board. That's just something that they didn't want in the house. By the so. request of the owner and we... Of course, would not. We oblige. Yes. No summoning demons or anything like that. I guess. I, okay, I'll go ahead and give this blanket description here and tell you an interesting home does not a haunted house make. Yeah, (laughs) very eloquently put, Megan. There can be things in the, there are things in my own home that startle me and I, second guess myself and I have to question did I really see that did I really hear that and I start to get nervous like "Mm, is it really can I explain this away or is there something supernatural in my house I feel like that especially my house isn't as old as this one I was gonna say how old is when was your house built the 90s or not the 90s 1900s oh I was like oh wow not (laughs) the 90s that is new no it's it's old but it's not crazy old not like this house and definitely not like the Preston house, of course. I was going to say, this house, so when I want to see when mine was built, I can't exactly remember. It was either 1911 or 1917, <laughs> but point is 1917, so this house is 104 years old. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if mine's 100 years old yet. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about my place before. I will say the shadow in the hallway I haven't seen for a long time, luckily, but to be fair, I have oriented the bed so it is not facing the hallway anymore, so now maybe it just stares and we don't even know. Oh, hmm, yay. I do still, we do still hear things periodically. I don't know. Like you said, it doesn't always make for a haunted house. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this one is or not. Maybe one day we'll investigate this house. Who knows? Well, and the people who've owned this house have been there for a few years, and... Yeah, yeah. recently started to experience some things that they couldn't explain and that's kind of what prompted the investigation right and I'll be honest I had been in the house a bit before like I've had experience with this house even before the investigation and I didn't personally have any kind of feelings or anything like well I didn't have any experiences there was I had like a feeling one time like I got the vibe that they were talking about of like this is a really old house a lot of history like there's a vibe don't you think and I was like I mean a little bit it depends right but we all we all agreed it was me Kelsey and Maddie that actually did the investigation yes and we all agreed on one spot that made us feel weird and we don't really know why but it was the second floor hallway and my guess is because it was a very heavily trafficked 
Well, holiday. and I, you said he was military? Uh, yes, yeah, he was a colonel something or other. I feel bad okay. that I can't remember, but. So that whole hallway is just adorned with pictures of people in the military from all generations. That's true, all branches, they're all up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, different branches and. There's, I'm wondering if those were triggers. Yeah, I mean, there's medals, there's certificates, there's a picture back from literally World War One. Yeah, like, it's because there's old family stuff. family that's been in the military that go way back, and there's a flag I think. Um, oh, a, a ceremonial a flag. Ceremonial flag. Yeah. And I'm I wondering if those aren't triggers. I'm sure for, they. I bet they could be. And. The unfortunate, I mean, maybe it's fortunate for them. They may be happy to hear this. We really did not get anything on the voice recorder. Mm-mm. Nothing on the camera. Now they did have animals in. They did have animals in the home that kind of made it difficult to pick some stuff up as well. They had dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. I mean, life happens. We can't ask them to shoo away the animals. Right. There was one moment in the middle of the night that did startle us. And we couldn't explain it. And man, if it didn't happen in that hallway. <laughs> it did. It really did. This one. Any, okay, here's the problem. Like we said, with the animals, with it being 2021, lots of things could be explained away. Right. Like there's plenty of ways to debunk this. This one was weird. I, I don't even really know. And it, it doesn't help that we were all feeling very like, when it happened the moment it happened when you listen to the voice recorder we were getting ready to shut the recorder off we said okay we're gonna head downstairs Mm -hmm. and then immediately stops like the sentence cut shorts and we say you hear me and you at the same time say what was that yeah (laughs) well because to be fair maddie's back was to what happened yes and i we don't know we've tried to debunk it we tried to watch for what we thought made it happen so we were sitting in the hallway we we literally just popped a squat at one end of the hallway we had the light grid out going down the other end cameras voice recorders and we just sat and asked questions and asked if anybody here it felt it felt eh, it didn't help that there was like a light coming from underneath the door at the end of the hall and i just kept waiting for footsteps like yeah feet the to go walking past or something <laughs> but yeah, we felt weird, but nothing happened, unfortunately. The, one of the cats scared the crap out of us. The cats or the dogs? The dogs are what made me literally jump out of my skin. And see, actually, that also helps our situation. The dogs almost made us jump out of our skin because a car drove past, and I think they lost their mind, and they started barking, but it was so abrupt. Like, we all of us jumped, visibly jumped. Yeah, I mean, they were laying there sleeping, and they woke up out of a dead sleep to bark at this car. Yeah. So, which makes this a little more questionable, when we were about to turn off the recorder, me and Megan were sitting so we could see down the stairs to the the landing between the first floor and the second floor. Uh It looks like someone was standing at the base of the steps of the first floor and took a picture with flash. Mm -hmm. And it flashed almost like a perfect square Mm -hmm. on the wall. Now we should... I should clarify, we didn't see the figure of a person. What we saw was the flash, the flash. itself. There was just a, fl- a flash of light. Bright white Very light. quick, not even a second. It Like as if someone took a picture up against the wall and then went away. And the dogs didn't bark. Mm-mm. 
or can you is that correct yeah, you didn't yeah hear, they didn't freak out at all they didn't react at all no one reacted we just suddenly there was a light and yeah the best way i described it is it's as if someone was at the bottom of the stairs and just took a quick picture uh-huh. and there was no noises no cars and of course we looked later while we were on the first floor cars were still driving by every now and then and we tried to see and the lights did come into the living room the living area but the way the house is the way the house is oriented i'm telling you now it would be very awkward and it was bright it was bright white mm-hmm. like and it didn't come in at an angle it definitely came from the bottom of the stairs pointing up yeah yeah, like, I feel like if it was a car light, it would be a little more yellow unless they had those really obnoxious halogens. But even then, you can tell, and not just a quick, like, psh, Right. It, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was really odd. We could not. That's one thing we experienced that kind of... I have no explanation have us for confused. that. Have confused. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that one, but... Yeah, the second thing is... <sighs> I mean, like Megan said, there's not a ton of physical evidence here. The whole Mm -hmm. concept of an old house doesn't make a haunted house. Right. The third floor, we've been doing this for how long? Maddie's usually the one that gets the weird feelings everywhere we go. We were upstairs, and I had set up the camera, set up the light grid. We we had everything set up, took a seat, and immediately upon sitting down, I had this feeling of... (laughs) It sounds cheesy. I always kind of roll my eyes sometimes when people talk about like, oh, I had a weird feeling. But like, that's as much evidence as anything else sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, before we had all of our equipment, before we had all these fancy things, that's what we really had to go on to was our eyes and our feelings. Right. And I sat down in this chair. And the best way I can describe it is when you've been out drinking and you're like, you've had a lot to drink. and You're like, I don't really feel drunk. And then you go to the bathroom and you sit on the toilet. And when you're alone with your like when you're alone and drunk and you sit on that toilet you're like there it is and it <laughs> just you can feel you can feel the rocking motion happening it feels like it feels like you're on a boat uh-huh. that is what i felt like sitting in a stationary chair on the third floor of this house mm-hmm. it just like i thought the lights were moving i felt like my body was moving everything felt i just felt like i was getting seasick almost yeah and i think we all kind of agreed that it felt not weird up there, but weird in the sense that we all felt dizzy. Yeah, I I mean, we ended up having to cut it because I just... One, I mean, we weren't seeing anything physical, but I was just feeling so crappy. I was like, I, I feel drunk. It's dumb, but... And then I did not feel that way on the second floor, first floor, basement. That was the only floor that I felt that. Yep. Other than that, you may be happy to hear... Craig House is not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the basement. Super creepy. I will say we did the thing. If you guys have ever seen Clue, our favorite movie of all time, when Professor Plum and no, not Professor Plum, Mr. Green and Mrs. White go up to the attic or sorry, in the yeah, in the attic. They're like, you guys investigate that. And they just stand there. She's like, well, are you going to go? He's like, of course. Yes. And she's like, all right, then he says, all right. And, then they, and then they just stare for like a few scenes. They are just staring up the steps and they don't want to go. That's how the basement felt. We were all standing at the top of the basement stairs. We're like, you go. And like Maddie's like, it's not. Let me look at it. And started to walk down. She went, mm. <laughs> And I was like, just let me do this. And I started to walk and I saw you had to like bend down to get into the basement. I was like, I don't really. Is it really this important that we check the basement right. out? What's so, down there really? Right. So it sucked because the basement felt super creepy, but we finally found a light, turned it on, got down there. It it was not very imposing. No. 
Not really. There were, I will say there were boot prints down there that startled me. They were big boot prints too, but I mean, it's their basement. I'm sure people go down there. Yeah, especially if they had to have something looked at or whatever. Right. I will say they were coming out of an empty, there was nothing in that room. Oh no, I think that water softener thingy might have been in there, in the ceiling. Whatever. Point is, that's kind of what we've got for the Craig house. Yeah. Although the flashlight thing was weird. I will admit that was weird. Yeah, that was. But I suppose that comes with, we'll talk about it with the rating. So let's. I think it's time. That was a a lot to take in for a fizzle out, but let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and rate it. Yeah, I think the Preston house was just, we're not going to be rating that because we didn't visit it. There's nothing to visit, but we'll just be looking at the, the Craig house. The Preston house was just a fun little extra for you because people did believe that it was haunted and that these terrible things happened in there. It w- it would be very cool if it was still something that we could investigate, but unfortunately we cannot. Yep. So we're going to go ahead and rate the Craig house. All right. So in the first Brazil. Yeah, in Brazil, Indiana. So the first is oh my gosh, historical, historical accuracy. accuracy. Good lord. I mean, all right. Yeah. Three, two, one, five. five. It's all <laughs> it is all there. It was set up for success. Yeah. Did we get it? Mm. <laughs> anyway, next is the scare level. Yep. Okay. So scare level. Uh. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, one. one. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. But I don't want to give it a zero because there was still the uneasy feeling and the, the hallway itself the hall- makes made me feel weird. Yeah. Yeah, because, and we both talked about how on the second floor, there's one room in particular that we didn't even like looking at it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's something about it when we walked past, we're like, let's just not go in that room. And Ugh. there's, there's, and we walked by one time and the cat was sitting on the, oh my gosh, but <laughs> his cat. head was cocked like in what shouldn't have been a natural way. And I was like, oh my God. Are you like, good? it felt like the exorcist. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, next would be believability. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Three, two, one, one. one. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I feel like we're on the same page with this one. There is enough to make me question, maybe. That's why I don't want to give it a zero. Well, and the story that they told us, what they experienced recently was kind of strange. Was that on the second floor that they saw it? No, it was in the living room, the downstairs. Okay. They said they saw a shadow. And it the way it moved across the room was not... First Natural. of all, it was in the middle of the day, and a shadow was moving across the room. You're like, mm, what? <laughs> yeah, but like that's no. <laughs> so I and they they're the ones that live there. I don't know what else they've experienced or I from my understanding, not really a ton. Maybe just some odd feelings here and there, mm-hmm. but that one experience right made them start questioning. Like, uh, well. It's just one of those, the history of the house. I was going to say, it's just one of those, they knew this house had a very rich history, and they're like, maybe there's something here if you want to check it out. So again, we reiterate, an interesting house does not, does not make, make a, a haunted, haunted house. house. And then last would be our overall. The overall. The overall. Uh, well, weird. Okay. Okay, ready? I don't know what I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> Three, two, one, two. One? Oh, I we had it until the very end. People live there. You can't just go there. Well, this yeah, I'm it. giving it a two for the interest in the history and that we did have a slight experience there and they've okay. had a slight experience there. Can you visit it? No. no sorry <laughs> like we just happen to have these connections we can do these things this is finally we have some kind of leverage yes but no this is not a place that you can visit this is not a place we suggest you visit it is a fully functioning living people live there right now house yes yep so it was just thanks thanks for the opportunity to do that y'all don't go leave yeah. them alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't do not yeah that's that's the Craig slash Preston house, mostly the Craig house. Yep. But two two very cool, very historically rich houses in Indiana. Yeah, as say no, not Indiana, but yes, the in state Indiana. is Indiana. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. I'm I'm on board. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's been a long one. It was it was a big info dump, but it was still it was still interesting. I I don't ha- mind the history when there is history. Right. That's true. Because usually we have situations where it's like, uh, this place exists. Let's tell you about the town. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the duck races. and the, <laughs> They were turtle races. The corn festivals and what? I, oh, yeah, turtle. Oh, because I talked about the duck race in Broad Ripple. Sorry, now our best friend Kitten is playing with a bag and I don't feel like stopping her. So Yeah, I, I talked about the turtle races and... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just Duggar, don't... <laughs> I think. She's a nightmare. You got to stop playing with these microphones. Okay, well, I guess we can go ahead and wrap it up then before she completely cuts us off. Someone shoo her out of here. Well, we should get out of here. So I'm going to attempt to grab Kitten while you see us out. Okay, well, if you like this and you want to see what else we're up to and what we have to say and funny things we talk about or share, you can find us. Sorry, I I obtained the cat. (laughs) I think I was just rambling because I was watching you get the cat. She's around all the wires. It was really making me nervous. Anyway, we have social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Or So They Say Pod. And you can also check out our website where we post previous places we've been. We've got links to all sorts of stuff on there, including our social media. But that is Or So They Say Pod.com. Mm-hmm. I want to do the email. The, yeah. I know. I want to do the email. Some of the links you can find are on the website are for our Patreon. And the Patreon is going to give you exclusive content to things we post that aren't available to the public, things like pictures or EVPs that we've gotten during our investigation, videos, things like that. And that is a monthly subscription. So you could do anything from a dollar all the way up to $10 or beyond if you're feeling super generous and just want to make your own your own tier and a dollar a month to get all this cool extra stuff is worth it okay when you think of all your other streaming services you're not going to miss a dollar a month honestly but if you don't want to do another subscription another monthly fee I get that. We get that. We're here for it. But you can donate one time to our PayPal. That's also linked on our website. Mm -hmm. And if you... The cat has me so distracted. I want to die. I know. One of these days I'll have my actual recording room done. I promise. Maybe in the next five years or so. Oh, what an angel, though. I love her. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, 
you can also check out our merch at redbubble.com slash people slash or so they say pod where we've got t-shirts and bags and everything your heart desires everything you want with our logo on it and you can rep us that way and tell people how much you love us by sporting our things and such (laughs) please and thanks And last thing, if you want, well, second to last thing, you can send us your stories. If you have, if you live in a haunted house, if you've experienced something supernatural or unexplainable and you want to share it with other supernatural loving people, you can send us your stories to our email at or so they say pod at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you want us to investigate your house, you yeah. can email us. <laughs> Invite us into your home. This can be a Leave new snacks. thing. We'll let you know for sure what you're dealing with. If anything. <laughs> Who yeah. knows? Uh, leave snacks, leave animals within reason. Take the kids. Take the children. <laughs> we don't need them there. Is it- <laughs> I'm laughing. And if you have ghost kids, we'll... Keep, tell you yeah yeah we'll let you know we'll let you i know will let that. you know you can take the real children hopefully you aren't dealing with ghost children but if you are tell us about it send it to our email and we can tell everyone else about it and very last thing now i swear is that <laughs> if you like what you hear and you want to share it with the world and you want to tell us how good of a job we're doing which at this point i can't imagine <laughs> what you would have to say i know who knows you can rate and review us Wherever you're listening right now, hopefully you're giving us five stars, five thumbs up, whatever it is they offer, and just tell us uh, how we're doing. We crave affirmations. (laughs) Like you wouldn't believe. That's love languages. Please, I need this. We, I mean, we need this. Oh, thank you. The royal we. Yes. And I think that wraps it up. I think it does. We've got to get, this cat is just... I know the cat, the dog. I got my whole own mess of mess of a zoo here. So <laughs> yeah. I got the bearded dragon jumping to her death on the log here. I got the cat playing with bags. Mm-hmm. And the next time we talk to you, it will be fall. Oh my god! Just to yes. remember that. Absolutely, we'll be in such good spirits. I, be- <laughs> yes, better. I instantly, I wake up on the first day of fall like it's Christmas Day or something. I. <laughs> I mean, have I been drinking pumpkin spice lattes and stuff before then? That's yes. none of your business. I, of course. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> duh. Ooh, so here you go. Hack for everybody. So I went to go order an iced chai, uh-huh. which I really like if you've never had it before. Maybe don't get your hopes up because I'll explain it. I went to go order an iced apple chai, which we love. It's yes. basically a cold apple cider. They don't do that anymore. She was just like, uh, and I was like, at I kn- Starbucks. Yeah, I was like, uh, I know it's kind of a because she went, let me see, and I was like, I know it's sort of a weird one. You just hit add juice. It's just chai and apple juice, right? Instead of milk, yeah. Yeah, and she was like, well, the problem is we don't have the apple juice anymore. I said, excuse me, what? What? Yeah, because she was like, well, do you mean you want the apple brown sugar syrup? I was like, no, apple juice, and she's like, we don't have that anymore. I went, excuse me. And so I was like, okay, I guess do the brown sugar syrup instead. No. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Oh. Uh, every day since I, because I got a pumpkin chai and apparently an apple brown sugar chai and brought them. And I was like, Maddie, pick one. You can have whichever one you want. And she liked the apple one. And I was like, okay, like maybe she's being nice. The next day she's like, I need to get a coffee on the way home and like pick that up. We got another one today. She's had every one every oh, day since I introduced it. So well. get the chai with the apple brown sugar syrup 
from Starbucks. You won't regret it, hopefully, if that's what you're into. I'm pretty sad about that apple juice, though. No, it was, that was such a good drink, but I will tell you, this is a very good alternative. Okay. I know. All right, well, we have nothing else for you except for that <laughs> life hack, <so. laughs> We'll see you next week when it's fall. Ooh, God, I'm ready. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the early internet's oh my, my favorite. <laughs> what is that? This pancake is my hand. I <laughs> we gotta we go. We have to leave. I'm tired. We make a fool of ourselves. I'm okay. Too late. Okay, bye. bye. Mixing and music by Kelsey Ingram. Visit us at our website, or so they say pod.com where you can donate to our Patreon or PayPal, check out our merch at redbubble.com, and find links to all our social media. Episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a glowing review. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.